Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. Welcome to the Frontline Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Gene Signorini, and I'm very excited for today's conversation. Our guest today helps mobile workers reach their full potential and productivity with technology. His focus is on developing business solutions for the key challenges of our era. He is currently CEO of Resco. Please welcome Andrew Lorraine. Andrew, really excited to have you on the show today. Hey, Gene. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this I, I think this question is going to be one of the easier ones uh, for you, um, given how intimately you involve, are involved with kind of the frontline workforce and and working with them day to day. But I'm, I'm really interested in your perspective on what you see as the biggest challenge or challenges facing the mobile and deskless workforce today. So before I answer, I, I want to admit something is that I cheated a little bit. I've been watching the uh, and listening to the podcast. So I knew this question was coming <laughs> and and I prepared kind of a canned line that I wanted to use and test for the first time, something that, I, we, you know, debut for the show. So I think the biggest challenge that is impacting mobile workers or frontline workers today is making sure that technology that's dreamt up in the clouds works on the ground, works in, in the real world. Is that going to be Resco's new tagline? Because I like it. I like. I love the concept. I, I'm thinking of getting some merchandise made and and maybe even tattooing it someplace on the on the on my arm or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I lo I love it. Right. Making sure technology is dreamt up in the cloud, works its way in the ground. I mean, that's something that we, um, you know, here at Skillful, you know, obviously, um, that's kind of part of our core mission, but. Let's expand on that a little bit. So yeah, what, you know, when, when you say that it's a, it's a great soundbite, but, but, you know, um, let's dig into that a little bit more. Yeah. It, I think it needs a little bit of work, but I, but I appreciate it. I, so I mean, I mean it literally and, and figuratively, right. Is that um, we'll take the figurative thing first is that technology offers a lot of promise, a lot of transformation, the, the kind of words that are used with, with technology, digital transformation, innovation, these kind of things. Um, but there's a, there are, there's a lot of disconnect. There are many steps between the office, the boardroom, where these decisions are made to the actual people who are on the front line or as part of a mobile workforce, uh, delivering a service, uh, doing something out in the real world. So, you know, bridging the gap and making sure that the ideas that are made, you know, translate through technology into things that work on the ground. And then there's the literal sense is that, uh, in in my adult lifetime, and um, you know, for the past decade or or, or more, uh, cloud applications have transformed the way that, that businesses uh, operate, and uh, the efficiency and scale and speed that they can work. Uh, but there's often a lot of te technological challenges um, that prevent those applications from working effectively in the field. 
and in 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 the in the mobile amongst the mobile workforce in the real world. So our company Resco is focused on on bridging the gap, literally and and figuratively, to make sure that these big decisions that companies make uh, have ways of working in the hands of of a mobile workforce. Yeah, and I, you know I I love that you know when, when um uh we had a a, a saying actually at the company that even predated skillful which was you know you can't design solutions from the boardroom right only because it, it generally doesn't necessarily manifest itself the way that it was envisioned there on the whiteboard right so to speak but you know if you think about that the boardroom on on one side right or where these uh the concepts or the the, the drivers for digital transformation start uh and then the realities um on the front line what are the things that fill up the middle, right? So if you were to say kind of what are the things that help it bring it from the 100,000 foot view in the clouds down to the to the ground level, what are the, the components in the middle that perhaps are often overlooked? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, selecting the right people to design and, and implement the software that you want to work with um, is the first thing that comes to mind, both the, the vendors, but also the the service partners and implementation partners that that companies often uh, rely on to translate their projects into reality. Um, so that's you know at Resco that that's where we operate. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. But then uh, I think something that definitely resonates on on your show is, is uh, connecting and and bringing in stakeholders from the mobile workforce. Um, you know champions or the the men or women with experience who are looked up to amongst their peers and kind of bringing them into the design and decision making process from the outset to to make sure that there's buy-in so i'm sure that this is a topic that you've heard before um but that I, you know that's another thing that comes to to mind choose the right you know vet and choose the right partners that you have for designing the system so that it's designed effectively and then bring in the the workers themselves to the process as early as possible to make sure that their voices are heard and some of the some of the potential disasters are avoided or pitfalls are avoided uh, from the beginning instead of when it's too late. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Obviously, as you mentioned, you're on the you know solution provider side of it, um, and there's probably a, a a number of people who are listening or might not be familiar with with Resco. Um, you know, and, and, you know, you guys are doing some really innovative, innovative work and innovative things. So, so talk a little bit about what Resco does, why Resco was, you know, was, was created to begin with, to address these challenges. Mm -hmm. Resco was created in, in 1999 when I was 10 years old, before I had <laughs> my, my, before I had my own uh, phone or I think Blackberries or Palm Pilots were, you know, the, you know, one of the first generations of, of these devices were out there, and the 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 founders of the company recognized very early on that this would be that these devices would offer a lot of opportunity, not just for consumers but also for businesses. So they um, we went through a series of different products that were all uh, meant to help speed up developing apps for business use on mobile devices. Um, where we've, uh, where we've, I think, made our mark in the world over the past decade or so has been with our uh, no low-code platform for designing mobile applications that integrate with CRM, most notably Microsoft Dynamics CRM and Salesforce CRM. So we, 
again, we, we kind of understood the, the promise of, uh, of mobile devices for work and the, the, the great things that they can do for, for mobile workers to make work more effective and efficient and faster and all these kind of great things. Um, in tandem with the, the rise of, of you know, cloud-based CRM or ERP applications for business use and um, making sure that there was a quick way to design pretty complex mobile apps that were, that were integrated and can be iterated or customized um, incrementally to make sure that the solution worked and continued to serve the, the evolving needs. Um, and then ever since then, we've scaled to serving clients uh, through our partner network all over the world, uh, most notably North America and Europe, where we're based in, over here in Europe. Um, and and con yeah, and continuing to to be a specialized mobility provider, just kind of having tunnel vision and focusing on uh, on enterprise mobility, uh, offline use cases, these kind of uh, rugged types of mobile work experiences, making sure that there was a technology that was up to the job, uh, the difficult job of serving these these mobile workers or these frontline workers. So, um, I mean, you mentioned obviously that. Um... You know, this this concept of of no code low code you know creating those mobile app experiences but connected to these larger crm systems right which many companies you know most companies are probably using you know one of five different crm systems or something like that right maybe it's even less um what you know but you know microsoft dynamics 365 or Salesforce, or if it's SAP, for example, wherever they also have their own mobile applications, right? So, yep. Why do companies turn to Resco? What is it about what Resco does helps them achieve kind of what you talked about at the beginning, right? Which is bringing kind of the reality down to the to the front line to that front line experience. I think it's all about perspective. Is is those those all the CRM vendor or all of the CRM providers do have their own mobile applications? But the perspective is, is that that's secondary, right? Is they they create the, the CRM product and a mobile app, and it's typically just kind of taking CRM and putting it all on a smaller screen. Um, I'm I, I'm simplifying, but you know you you get my point. And we from the outset kind of flipped it on its head and said, no, it's actually let's do. We're mobile first, or or mobile by design, or offline by design that has a lot of implications for the way the technology is created. And then it man manifests itself in the performance of the applications, the adoption of the applications, the, the effectiveness of, of the applications. So um, there, there's, in, you know, we're happy that there are options available and certain companies can pick and choose the right, you know, tool for the job, which is the way it ought to be. But uh, companies typically come to us uh, because they have requirements that exceed the, the the tools that are available from the CRM providers. You know, your your field service organizations with with hundreds or thousands of of service technicians who are out on the road each day doing you know doing three or four different visits and and, and different kinds of repair work or installations or maintenance these kind of things or entirely mobile workforces who never even open Salesforce or Dynamics. They just open up an application on their phone or their, their tablet. So we, our technology is designed differently. It's, it's mobile first. And, and that is why we continue to have success in helping companies extend these, the CRM platforms or ERP platforms or inspections tools out into the, uh, out into the field. 
So I, I imagine, you know, at, at perhaps that one of the, the key elements to this, as you mentioned, you know, you've got these, these um, large, broad CRM systems, right, that have tremendous functionality, right, inherent in them. But the specifics of the use cases you kind of and and the workflows, right? Is that where you're kind of seeing this need, right? It's like, okay, each the you know, yeah, it's great. We may be a field service organization, but our workflows are drastically different or you know, or even subtly different than other field service organizations. So we need to kind of uh, design the experience or tailor that experience to our particular needs. Is that really where that tailoring comes in is on the, on the workflow side of things? Yeah. And on the, um, on, on the offline requirements and the data requirements, yep. um, an easy way to think about it is whether if the company, if, if the, the, the company is satisfied of taking their desktop CRM process and putting it on a mobile device or they ha they have a different approach a different strategy where there's a you know a, a dedicated process or set of processes for their mobile workers that they want to that they need an extra tool to try and accomplish uh an, an application uh, without having to spend tons of money on custom development and building their own app and you know updating it and supporting it and all that kind of stuff yep the other thing that um comes to mind is this notion i and i you know um of employee experience, right? So as we talked about earlier is, you know, getting it down to those those frontline workers in a way that is is useful, actually useful to them. And I know there's been a lot of talk around employee, the employee experience, right? And that's a, a very broad term and can mean a lot of things, right? But yeah, for sure. a lot of frontline workers, that means the tools that they're given, you know, how easy it is to, to get their jobs done. Um, how much of an emphasis have you seen from your customers in thinking about it from from an employee experience standpoint? I guess another way to ask this is, you know, do you get brought in after the fact? You know, are customers kind of thinking about you first or they find you when they realize, hey, you know, listen, Dynamics 365 is great. It's giving us a lot of things, but it's not necessarily delivering the experience for those frontline workers we've imagined. And now we've we're 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 feeling a little bit stuck and we need some help. Yeah, honestly, it's it's all of the above. Um, where it's a kind of the the least optimal case or the suboptimal case is when the there's a project to implement CRM and a a tiny piece at the end of the project is set aside for the the mobile experience, the the employee experience, and typically every project has you know is over budget and kind of deadlines are missed and and what ends up suffering is the last part which is meant to be the you know dedicated for the employee experience the mobile application what 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 have you uh, so so we've been in those situations and we try to advise against them because they 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 often end up sabotaging the the project or you know having more costly delays um but to to bring it back to your question is is we see we see both kinds of of situations where uh, companies have decided have have went with a CRM, Dynamics, Salesforce, what what have you, uh, use the the uh, the available mobile application, see that it's not up to um, what you know up to par, or there's some kind of uh, 
there's some kind of challenge that they have with adoption or with performance, and, and then they go to market to see what other vendors are there, what other options are there. Um, but be, we also, we really emphasize working with a, with a partner network. And there we were able to have, you know, advisors, trusted partners, advisors who know to introduce this from the outset is that they've been through it before. They can anticipate some of the challenges based on, you know, the, the requirements for a project. And they can say, look, you, you, you should, we advise you to, to bring in a, a, a specialty mobile mobility provider here um, because we know that you know you, you're going to have a challenging use case or process, and you you need some special technology to accomplish it. What does that partner ecosystem look like to you? So, if you were talking to somebody and say, "Hey, we're you're really thinking about either you know completely rethinking our approach to mobile and our digital transformation, or we're just embarking on one," and they were to ask you, "Okay, you know who are the you know who are the types of vendors?" You know, kind of you know, who, who do I need to kind of surround myself to make sure this is successful? What does that landscape look like, right? What are the three, four, five types of vendors? If it is, is, is that much that you would tell an enterprise, you know, a friend in, in an enterprise to kind of say, hey, these are the types of folks you should be reaching out to or you need to kind of surround yourself with? Um, I, I don't want to, you know, cop out of the of the question, but it really depends on the type of company and the, and the size and, 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 and the needs, because there are partners of all shapes and sizes yeah, uh, that, yeah. that we work with. And, and it depends. Some are specialized towards particular industries. So they know the process, they know the, um, the, the, the standard, the experience, um, the, the pitfalls, the pros and cons of, of digital transformation projects. So uh, in some cases we would, we would point a company towards an industry specific you know, implementation partner, maybe someone who even has their own uh, vertical or or uh, industry product that's built on Microsoft, that bi that's built on Salesforce, and they partner with Resco for the mobile side. Um, other companies are 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 so large and complex that they need to be thinking of teaming up with a similar sized services partner, is someone who can. Uh, can operate at the at the scale that that they require. So those are your enterprises or your your corporates who are doing uh, really gigantic you know transformation projects or or digital initiatives, these kind of thing. And then there are a lot of companies in the middle that just need, I think, someone who's be, who's who's been there and done that and has references and you know ha, has been has been through it before, and and you can you can trust them a bit because they've you know they have a track record of success. Um, and, and at Resco, we we our, our partner network comprises all of those types of of partners around the world, companies who are who are able to um, help other companies go through their digital projects, uh, either on the Microsoft technology stack or Salesforce or or what have you. Yeah. So um, I want to talk a little bit about you mentioned earlier Resco. Um, you know, it was founded in 1999 when you were 10. So obviously, you haven't been there since since you were you were 10 but maybe no. you joined at 15 or something like that i don't know <laughs> but uh talk a little bit how did you get involved with resco I, I know a little bit about this story i think it's fascinating so i'd love you to share it with with the audience so i i appreciate it i'm, I'm happy to share it uh because it's kind of uh it's kind of odd it's it's not very typical um so Re resco is based in bratislava slovakia which is probably an unfamiliar place to a lot of listeners or, or viewers of the show. 
Um, it's right in the heart of Europe. It's near Vienna. It's near Prague, those kind of cities in Central Europe. Um, but I'm American. I grew up outside Philadelphia. Um, I was disappointed to I watched the Super Bowl. Was disappointed <laughs> at the way it turned out. Um, by the way, your your, your co-host and, and colleague Justin have some. We have some friendly banner because he's a Giants fan. Yeah, the, yeah. The, that's that's why we didn't have him interview you. We know it wouldn't have gone well. So you no, know. no. The, Smart, smart choice. Yeah, it would have it would have <laughs> gone sideways. So, uh, but but my family roots are from Slovakia. Uh, I I went to I went to college, was thinking about law school, and decided to to uh, apply for a Fulbright scholarship, which is through the state De U.S. State Department, to go live abroad and research and teach, kind of do an academic year abroad, uh, in between school. And I chose Slovakia because I have roots, family roots here. They left in the in the 1800s to move to Pennsylvania and work in the coal mines and, and railroads. Kind of a typical story for a lot, a lot of Americans. And and I just loved it over here. I had a great, really great experience. I, I learned the language. I uh, made a lot of friends. Uh, really felt like a like I had a strong connection here. And eventually, I made my way back. I think around the age, you know, 25, so, somewhere around there, uh, because I saw a lot of business potential and career potential for me. Uh, Slovakia has, it's a beautiful country. There's a lot of uh, talented people here, uh, some great innovative businesses, uh, a lot of uh, excitement and dy dynamism in the uh, IT and technology sector. And I, you know, I saw an opportunity to, to find a home and, and help, you know, export some of the, the, the products or, or represent the company abroad, um, and kind of help accelerate some outcomes. And that that's what brought me to Resco. Uh, and I started out in, in our sales organization, uh, worked my way up um, to starting a, a team dedicated to strategic partnerships, um, some of our global partners, and eventually managed our partnership with Microsoft. We've been talking about Microsoft before. I haven't I mentioned this, is that we actually had a, um, a, a special partnership with them where our mobile platform, our app designer, and in the mobile app itself was relicensed by Microsoft and offered as part of their field service application. So that that was a huge accomplishment for the Oresco, for the company. Um, it was a partnership that scaled to to many, many thousands of, of users and service technicians all over the globe. And I was at the center of it and helping make sure it, it went smoothly and that we were, you know, uh, cooperating, developing our technology together, being successful in sales and marketing, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then eventually last year, I, I was promoted into the role of CEO to lead and represent the company and uh, work with our partners, our, our clients, and kind of help see us through the next you know evolution and, and phase of Resco. Uh, so I'm I'm based over here in Bratislava. I miss the the U.S. a lot and some of the comforts and you know family and friends and everything. Um, it was difficult during the the pandemic to be apart for so long. I think it was there were about three years in between visits, uh, but I was was back last summer. I'm planning to sp uh, to bring my family over for for the summer this year and to to spend some time. Still have family in the Philadelphia area and everything. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a a great journey. Um, you yeah, know, um, you know, and um, and, and obviously you know, you've kind of grown through the firm and, and I imagine you've seen a lot, right. Your, your experiences have, have brought you into contact with customers and partners kind of, as you've kind of described it. Um, 
if we kind of come back to some of those things, you know, the the main theme that we talked about earlier, which is this this big challenge of making sure that you know the digital transformation that is dreamed up, right, is is ultimately successful. What are some of the things that you maybe have seen that have been where customers have kind of fallen fallen down a little bit? Right. Where, you know, things that haven't gone as planned, what are some of the kind of common attributes of, of those type of, 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 of situations? Before I answer that, I want to say the uh, one of the things that I consciously try and address or overcome is my um, maybe bias is, isn't the right word, but the fact that I spent most of my career at Rasco um, and not outside at you know some of the uh, some of the partners or customers that yeah. we work with that's something that i kind of consciously try and work on uh, again to get back to the the start of the show is not to make sure that decisions and ideas and products that we make here actually resonate and, and work in the real world so that that's kind of something that's something i have on my desk and just trying to remind me to you know keep it real and yeah. and um and grounded and that that kind of thing so some of the common pitfalls or, or challenges trying to make a, a, a one size fits all solution or a broad solution work for a very specific type of, of company. Um, because then you may that, you know, it's like trying to put on a shoe that doesn't fit. Like you can kind of make it work, but it, you know, it's always going to aggravate you and you know, it's not in the long term. it's probably not a good decision. So try, trying to take a CRM and make it be something else, um, you know, that that's where a lot of projects have, have fallen short. Um, not, you know, suboptimal design and talking about maybe the more of the tech, technical aspects of it mm. is, is trying to um, not thinking about the scalability uh, of a design of a, of a system. So if something that maybe works for, 30 service technicians each doing three jobs a day but then when you get to 300 or 3000 you know the system just isn't designed to handle it and things fall apart or or just become unsustainable so kind of game planning out the the design of a system from the beginning um and then yeah i think having segmented or separated decision making units within a company, uh, whether it's the boardroom or, or the IT department or a, a business, a business unit making a change without bringing in their counterparts in IT or their, the, you know, representatives from the, the mobile workforce, the frontline workforce and this kind of thing. And then trying to, you know, falling short when you actually, when it actually comes time to use it. So that off the top of my head, those are really the first the those are the the pitfalls that come to mind yeah yeah and i'd love to dig in a little bit on this last one um you know which is kind of engaging different stakeholders in particular the in, in particular um the the frontline teams right the frontline individuals and you mentioned that a little bit earlier as well um you know what strikes me is you know we we, we talk a lot and we you know about technology but for these frontline workers it's not in many cases not just their technology change in some cases it could be their their workflows their business process right they'd be doing things in a different way not just doing them on a mobile device 
but doing things in a, in a different way, which is hopefully leads to that, those transformations, right? That's, that's kind yeah. of in many cases why we're implementing this or should be. So, you know, how, how do you, and, and, and this is a theme that we've talked about on this program uh, many times, which is this getting the buy-in, you know, not only the buy-in early on from those frontline workers, but then making sure that the solution is easy to use and usable, right? You know, so that they're actually, you know, it's one thing for to get their input up front is how do we make sure that now it's getting traction, it's getting adoption? What are those, you know, what are the techniques that you help customers with? What are the, some of the, the successful things you've seen customers do? Mm -hmm. So we're at a, I admit that we're at a disadvantage when it comes to this because of our great partner network, right? Typically, we are we are some layers removed from the actual projects themselves. And oftentimes, it, we're working with our partners and advising them on their projects with the customers and, and the end users of the technology. So our advice is, is always to, in the project organization from the outset, is to get you know a representative, a champion, someone from the mobile workforce that's looked up to involved uh, so that they're, you know, they have some, some ownership and they're able to, you know, help others buy into it. So, um, but when we work directly with, with clients, we kind of insist that there's, that it goes beyond the IT staff uh, and that we, we work and we see and we experience a day in the life of, of one of the actual users. So, so we go around and, you know, kind of monthly, try and visit a a client of ours and do a ride along or you know a service visit with them and see how things are actually working and we often come come away with uh improvements or ideas that that we can add to the technology to make it more intuitive to make the buttons bigger um little things often that just that, that can make the experience better um so my uh, yeah, my recommendation is to is just to think about this from from the beginning. It's probably nothing to um, break through or something that you haven't heard before on the show, but just to really to really insist on it and to make that a best practice of any kind of new new uh, new introduction of technology, a change of a process. Um, even if you know if it's, I know that everyone has phones, everyone is used to using applications, but it's it can be an intimidating change for. For people, even if you're used to using these things, so so our our advice and and our our practice itself is to just live a day in the life of, of a mobile worker of the people that you're building the technology for. Get them involved in the in the design process. Iterate through some uh, some versions of an application or or a CRM before you actually try and deploy it, and and get try and establish some buy-in. Uh, from from the people who are ultimately going to have to being forced to use this. What are there certain? I, I love the idea of of ride arounds. It's something that we've talked about a lot, and, and we do here at at Skillful quite a bit. Um, are there common areas of feedback or things that you hear from the field? I'm just kind of curious. Is is kind of you know what are what are some of those common reactions? The some things are are really simple, like how do I, you know, how do I go offline or how do I synchronize? Uh, how how do I use the application? Because things that are 
intuitive for us as the technology creators may not be so intuitive for uh, for people outside of our our four walls. Um, some other things are just yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised. It often is is about um, the UX inside of the application or the UI of the application that things are too small or mm. or difficult to click or again things I'm sure that you've 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 heard you've heard from but for us are like they're they're so straightforward but it's often things that we 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 overlook we're trying to think of uh new product in innovations or uh improvements maybe to the low level technology the synchronization the offline mode or these kind of things but often it just comes down to like you know this it takes too many clicks to get through a process and it's it's really frustrating um so we spent, yeah, we spent a lot of time working with partners to try and once once we learn these things, or or can anticipate them, just trying to to overcome them and and introducing design tools in our in our platform that reduce the number of clicks, for example, or or allow partners to expand a, a button size, and and that's really I, I think at the heart of what we're trying to do with our platform is to just make it easier and faster to build, to iterate, to adjust so that people can have these conversations and you can publish immediately and you can see the change immediately, which is often really, you know, has a lot of satisfaction for people that their voice is heard and the change can be made without a huge project and, you know, expense and that kind of thing. Yeah. I definitely think that is, it's so important, as you said, just to, um, to hear that feedback firsthand. And, and like you said, make sure that they believe their, their kind of voices is heard. Are, are heard you also kind of mentioned this hey you know just like hey how do i do certain things in the application right and obviously that's kind of close to heart for for me and and for us it's skillful but yeah absolutely um yeah. you yeah. know what, what's your perception in terms of been you know ha, i'm sure there i'm sure it varies right because you've seen a lot of different customers in a lot of different use cases in different in industries what are the ways that that your customers are, are 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 training, making sure that people know how to use it. What are the resources they're being given to support them when when maybe they're you know getting hung up? They're they're varied. They're varied. Um, some are given technology resources, tools like Skillful to to make sure that there's kind of a wizard that guides them through the the process and teaches them how to use it. Some organize in-person workshops or remote workshops or these kind of things, which can have mixed mixed results, to be honest. Uh, others document and put stuff online and have a you know learning center or kind of a you know center of excellence or something like that also can have mixed results. Um, I think there's a lot of peer teaching and peer mm -hmm. learning where someone figures it out and teaches you know the next guy or girl how to do it and, and and so on and so forth yeah i mean that, that's the the last point that's something we have heard obviously from from customers of ours as well is that you know yeah that's typically the first place they're going to go right um because they don't have an easy way to get the answer otherwise right so they're going to turn to to appear um the challenge with that that we've heard obviously is that you know, peers are busy too, right? So if it's their supervisor or somebody else, they can't get them right away, um, you know, and they're overburdened. You know, the other common 
pitfall we've heard with that is just the inconsistency, right? So someone may do it one way or the other. And when we talk about these applications, I'm sure you know, is that, you know, these applications either guide the workflows or you're indistinguishable from their workflows in the process. So when you're doing something a certain way in the application, you know, someone's doing it one way, someone's doing the other, you may be executing the process differently, which leads to inconsistencies. So yeah, it's like the, it's like whisper down the lane, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that kid's game, right. So one of the things that we're doing with uh, a couple of our products is to make it the experience as guided as possible to take the guessing out of it, to automate whatever we can, both to make it easier for the worker, but also to reduce the the inconsistency and the the different types of data you can get, the inaccurate data that you can get. So that's that's how we're trying to to address it and just kind of remove that the possibility of that problem. Yeah. Are you guys at Resco? Are you looking at, are you um, monitoring app usage and feature functionality usage? Are you providing those analytics to customers? Are they, do you even ask for it? Do they care? That's one of the things that we've seen in consistency around in general is that, um, yeah, companies, you know, don't really have good visibility in terms of how their applications are actually being used. Mm -hmm. It's an area for improvement for us, but we do have some tools that we that we give to either our partners or our customers to help monitor it. I think the thing that is most often used is the kind of security or MDM type yep. tool uh, to assign the you know access to the application and to take it away in case the employee leaves or or you know, their device is lost or, or whatever. So I think that's kind of the user management thing is probably the the piece that's used the most. We do, um, because offline is kind of our thing, we, we have a whole um, dashboard and module set up to help monitor uh, the synchronization, you know, the synchronization, how often the, the mobile workforce is sending the data that they get offline back into the system. And is it working well or, or are there areas for improvement uh, to make that process, that process smoother for everyone? So that's for us, that's kind of where that's where we focus our um, analytics and, and data is, you know, are people, are your users sending their data back into the system to get it there so that your company can can work with it and do interesting things with it? And are there areas for improvement to to make it more user friendly for everyone? Yeah, I mean, and that, and that, I think that's great because I do think that there's a there's still a gap there, right? In terms of once we kind of again, once you put it out in the wild, right? Is it doing is it doing what you what you want it to do, right? So that's the other. I think going back to your central point, which is, okay, you know, how do we make it so that is actually implementable? It works the way it should, right? That it's it's being used. But now, are we getting the results from that that we wanted to, right? Um, that we dreamt up in the in the boardroom, you know, two years ago. Is that is that manifesting itself? Yeah, and and one of our um, one of the reasons why we're happy to partner with someone like Microsoft or Salesforce is that they have a lot of great tools yeah. for um, aggregating data, for doing something with it, to to being able to to make decisions or see if if things are are not working or, or or working well so i think that's we really you know our focus is into entirely on the mobile mobile side and we're happy to partner with these these bigger technology providers who can who have a really big breadth of of tools to work with data to to build these systems to host the host the data on the cloud and all that kind of stuff 
That's great. So, so Andrew, um, before we kind of conclude today, I want to kind of, you know, as I said, you've got, you had an interesting journey, right. From, you know, on the precipice of going to law school and somehow wound up halfway across the world at a technology company. So you are kind of an accidental technologist in a lot of ways, right? I, I, my background is kind of similar that I never kind of necessarily envisioned being in the technology world and have spent my entire career there. What, what do you really enjoy about it? What's your favorite part of working in technology, working at Resco? Helping a partner. It shouldn't be a surprise because I, I kind of, my career evolved towards in Resco evolved towards partnerships and everything, but really helping businesses create their business, you know, taking away part of the risk and challenge of making a complex mobile application, offloading that to us. We take care of that hard thing so that they can specialize in really like a, a transformation, uh, transformational product or, or project. So for me, the most satisfying thing is to is to work with partners to develop a relationship and to to earn their trust um, with with our technology and to take care of a really um, what we believe is is really important part of the process and to offload that on us and 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 we you know that that's our focus and we we deliver it and, and that whole experience for me is really is really fulfilling. I mean, it's also great to see uh, our applications used by a, a variety of of companies around the world doing lots of different and interesting things. Um, so that I get, I get a sense of pride from seeing either field service organizations or sales, sales uh, organizations or uh, NGOs or, you know, a lot, lots of different types mm -hmm. of, of great projects that we have, have success with their, their digital transformation projects because we're, we're covering that last mile for them and, and taking care of some hard stuff so that they can, you know, rest easy. Yeah, it is rewarding when you kind of, you know, get to to see what other companies are doing and, and, you know, maybe companies you'd never heard of, right, that are having a big impact, large companies you may never heard of who are making a big impact. So I, I can certainly relate to that. Uh, yeah. Andrew, this has been a, a great conversation, uh, and I really appreciate you joining. Um, for folks who want to learn a little bit more about Resco, who might want to get in touch with you, what's the best uh, channel for them to do so? Uh, so our our website and our social uh, is great for Resco. I think the best way to get in touch with me is is just to find me on LinkedIn and and reach out. And I'm more than happy to to connect and have a conversation about whatever topic um, you have in mind. I think our team will be uh, going to a couple of events. I got to look at my my list here. Uh, we're going to be at Connected Worker 2023 in March in Houston. So if anyone okay. is is attending, that's a good place to to meet up with some of my colleagues from Resco, as well as Field Service USA later in April in in sunny Palm Springs, California. I'm kind of jealous that I'm not going to be coming over for that. So we we tend to go to the um, the field service oriented events, and you'll probably find us there, the Microsoft events. And then I do have to plug our uh, annual user group conference. So if anyone is you know listening out there, uh, working with Microsoft or Salesforce or or just um, mobile technology in general, we have a great um, conference each year over in Europe in the fall time called Resco Next. That's focused on mobile workers, mobile workforce technology, uh, showcasing 
our partners and clients and, and our technology solutions and in general just kind of coming together as a as a, a community we had justin there as a as a speaker last year that's how we we got to know skillful and um so i, I would just plug that we'll be uh we're going to be teasing and out and releasing the the date and the location uh next month in in march so some more information to come Great, great. Yeah, I know Justin had great things to say about that conference last year. I was jealous that uh, that he was out in was in Portugal last year. I think yeah, it was, right. It, it was, was it was it was Lisbon. We try yeah. and we typically have it in Europe and and go from cool destination to cool destination. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are a lot of lot of cool places to check out. So yeah, so yeah, I definitely urge your your uh, your users, your your partners, your prospects to to check that out. Um, and again, Resco, R E S C O dot net is the Resco, um, uh, Resco website. Uh, if you want to connect with Andrew, we're going to, you know, we'll, we're going to tag him on our LinkedIn page. So visit the frontline innovators LinkedIn page, and you can easily find Andrew there again, Andrew really appreciate you joining, uh, enjoyed this conversation a lot. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And, and thanks so much for having me, Gene. Thank you. Uh, so we'll wrap it up here. I hope uh, you listening have found this conversation as enjoyable as I have. Uh, I'd like, again, to thank Andrew um, and thank you, our listeners, for your continued engagement with the podcast. Um, with that in mind, for those listening, we welcome your ideas for future themes or topics we can discuss on the show. Please feel free to leave a comment on the Frontline Innovators LinkedIn page with any thoughts you have. And a friendly reminder that the podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the only end-to-end -end systems training platform optimized for frontline operations. You can learn more about how you can solve your frontline systems training challenges by visiting skillful.com. That's S-K-Y-F-U-L-L.com. Thank you, and I look forward to joining you on our next episode.